1: Start of the final hour
0: here on the Steve Jones Show. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Yeah, it's just, it's just more go. about the more complaint line. <laughs> Thank like, oh, goodness.
1: Or, or more or less
0: praising the PGA and Rory McIlroy today. It's just your backhanded way of complaining. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory. Uh, Great pre-owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee, which is so important. You need more comfort in your buying experience than ever. That is Sunbury Motors. They'll provide that comfort to you. And also that your car is going to be taken care of for the life of the vehicle. Yeah, all the routine maintenance, oil changes and so forth, great. Inspections, great. And if anything complicated happens, great crew that takes care of that, diagnostics, everything. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. We'll look at the basketball side of the transfer portal about whether you really benefit or not by going into the portal and, quote, moving up. I mean, let's face it. After the Power Six conferences, I'll give you a good example. I was talking with Ed DeCellis Thursday night, the head basketball coach at Navy. Uh, And, and, you know, and Ed says to Dick and me, he says, look, he says, Let's be honest about it. He said, Navy, the transfer portal is only one way. Out. Hey, look what Nathan Davis has dealt with at Bucknell. Yeah. Nate Sistina ends up at Kentucky. Jimmy Sotos ends up at Bucknell. Andrew Funk ends up at Penn State. I mean, the transfer portal is one way. <laughs> Not easy. So we'll tell you how it worked out for transfers. Basketball probably was, you know, this is what obviously what uh, C.J. Moore and Kyle Tucker, they cover. Uh, And uh, so they were able to go through and they tracked everybody. Um, Don't really know how the football parts worked out, but at least they got basketball broken down. So we'll do that in the final half hour. First of all, a play-by-play call of the day. Much the, to the chagrin of Matt, the Celtics actually played okay last night. Celtics' lead is
1: 11. Smart went for the steal and deflected off Draymond Green.
0: Jalen Brown goes down the other way. Timeout, Golden State. Warriors club napping on that play. Al Horford, who's the pros pro, you know, saw it and found Jalen Brown while Golden State was milling around. Celtics built the lead last night, uh, and of course, no lead is safe in the NBA. But when you do build a lead, it does uh, it gives you some collateral to to work with. The Warriors came back. Uh, Clay Thompson had his best game of the series. Steph Curry is just. Steph Curry I just love watching him shoot The way I loved watching Kelly shoot uh, When she was at Penn State Uh, But love watching Steph Curry And they had a big seven point possession In there Uh, That included Steph hitting a three Horford fouling him And then Curry landed And it wasn't intentional on Horford's part Horford's going up to block the shot Puts his foot down But Steph still needs a spot to land, and he rolled his ankle, landing on Horford's foot. So they had to call a flagrant. It's the right call. And then they go out, he hits a free throw, four-point play, and then they come out and Steph hits a three, and it's a seven-point play. That seven-point play, while not putting the Warriors in front, put them in a position where eventually they went in front by one, and then the Celtics, boom, got back-to-back baskets. And that's the problem of climbing uphill all night. You're climbing uphill all night, and you got to get, once you get there, you got to get a little bit of a cushion because you can lose it just like that. And then two possessions later, now you're two two possessions behind. And that's what happened to them last night. And the Celtics did win the game uh, by 16 last night. Celtics played a little more under control last night. Not totally, but a little more under control. They were under the category of. They were quick, but they didn't hurry as often last night. And that's why they kept their turnovers down, which has been a big difference in this series. They're the more athletic team. Two really good defensive teams. Golden State's a really good defensive team, but the Celtics are a little more athletic, and it showed last night. I-, I know you hate all this. This is. Let's just say that play was. A nutshell of Golden State's night last night, especially on the defensive end, because they didn't play like one of the better defensive teams last night. No, the had Celtics had no answer bit, at all. I mean, they're going to have to get really physical, which they very well might do in Game 4 and Friday night. But the problem is, as good a defensive team as Golden State is, they don't quite have the athletes the Celtics have. And That's something they've got to overcome a bit in this. But we'll see. I mean, if they, if they, like, in game two, they were the far more physical team. The Celtics look like deer in the headlights, especially in the second half. But they're up two games to one right now. All right, let's check in on wrestling. Uh, Final X just took place. World team is now set for Belgrade. Uh, It's a city in Yugoslavia for the suit. Uh, in September, ninth month of the ninth month of the year, September tenth uh, through the eighteenth, and with that we bring in Jeff Byers. Jeff, welcome back. Great to have you with us.
1: Well, well, great to be back. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so uh, David Taylor does the expected, uh, wins the series two nothing uh, over Valencia, and so onward and upward for him.
1: Yeah, and I think David really looked good, Steve. I, I know Valencia that you know that first match was uh, was competitive and and close uh, score wise, but I think David really got a nice feel for what he wanted to do uh, after that first match and the second one, and, and you saw him really get his offense going in that first period. It took him a while then to get the second takedown had a couple of good opportunities but uh you know valencia is really really good i mean he's a a different level guy but you know david i think right now is one of three or four guys on the u.s team that are just uh a whole nother world of good right now and and david is just wrestling as well as he's ever wrestled
0: yeah he won 10 nothing to win the series 2-0 uh and then Kyle Dake is still there, and he's still a roadblock for Jason Nolf. I think that's fair to say. And Nolf wrestled in tough. I mean, you were talking about 2-1? I mean, to one?
1: Yeah, and I, I really thought Jason in both of those matches, Jason wrestled really good matches and, and really gave Kyle a run for his money. Uh, you know, he he had the only takedown in that uh, first match, even though he lost four or two, but uh, you know, he, Kyle is just really, really hard to score on, uh, and that's always been the case. And uh, you know, I do think Jason obviously made some significant adjustments from their previous meeting when uh, Dake. Uh, you know, I think it took him what twenty seconds or twenty-five yeah. seconds to beat him by uh, tech the the last time they met. And and Jason obviously had a better feel uh, for what he needed to do, but. Listen again. There's there's a reason that the, the Kyle Dakes and the David Taylors are, are where they are. They just they know how to win, and they know how to win. Uh, you know they know how to open it up if they if they can, but they also know how to win those close ones. And you know, on one hand, I think if you're Jason, you're saying, "Oh man, I'm I'm this close." On the other hand, if you're Dake, you're saying, "No, <laughs> I, I have all of these guys in the field. I just know how to win it."
0: Well, in fact, you know, you can almost say the same about Jordan Burroughs, who had to go to a round three to yep. finally beat Chance Marsteller. But again, in three, he won, and that's after he lost by criteria in round two.
1: Yeah, I was really impressed with the way Chance came back in the, that second match. I mean, I was impressed with the way he wrestled in the first match. Uh, but, yeah, Burroughs is, is going for some history here. If, if he can get a, another world uh, championship, he's going to establish himself uh, at least by credentials, as the greatest freestyle uh American wrestler in, in history. And you know, he's obviously very special. But uh Steve to me Chance Marsteller is just one of the great stories right now in, in US wrestling. When you look at uh, you know the opportunities that he kind of let get away because of, of some life decisions and some mm-hmm. things that got away from him but uh, really addressing those issues head on uh, if, if you get the chance to meet and talk with him he just is is a really impressive guy now uh, knows that he I mean he went about as uh, off the rails as you could get there for a few years and uh, and you know I, I think was in danger of, of letting his life uh, Flip away. I mean, I, I think it was that type of uh, seriousness where you know you were afraid he was going to make a decision that was going to end his life. Uh, and now, uh, you know, he's he's really found himself, is is sober and a- absolutely committed. And you know, he and and Burroughs are both uh, now what you want in terms of representing USA Wrestling. But in terms of a redemption story, I, I just think Chance Marsteller and, and what he's doing at this level uh, is is really good stuff.
0: Well, there are also a couple other guys, true third national team spots to get them on the national team. We'll start with Mark Hall, who um, in the '86 freestyle beat Trent H- uh, Hitley uh, six to four. Uh, again, that, that's progress for him on 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 the tour.
1: Yeah, and I I think you know Mark uh, is it's that win is significant because of the stipend money and because it, it keeps him, you know, on the travel squad yes. there with those guys. And, and that's a big deal when you're trying to, you know, take that final last big step and, and become the world team member. And so that was a, a big win for him. And I think, you know, he really steadied himself after a tough matchup and Valencia has always been a, a tough matchup for him. And I think, uh, rebounding uh in any event uh to get third is is significant because it's it's a hard thing to do when your mindset is to be the the guy on the team and you know that that's gone to come back then and and beat, uh, you know, whoever it's going to be, you know it's going to be a tough competitor. Uh, But it's, uh, again, I think it's another, uh, it's a good win and another significant step for Mark Hall as he continues to try to build uh, toward, you know, his career culminating with a a spot on the world team.
0: And Carter Storacci in a walkover with Vincenzo Joseph, uh, but Nico Megalutis lost in a walkover as well. So, I mean, let's talk about Carter Storacci's path.
1: Yeah, I I tell you, Steve, I just, I I continue to be just uh, really, really impressed with Carter and the adjustments he makes, and, you know, Marsteller, I mean, he was right there with Marsteller, it was a terrific match in the, you know, at the U.S. Open, and uh, not much separating those two, and as we saw, there's not a lot separating Marsteller from Burroughs now, Uh, but Staracci is still on the very early side of, of his career here, I mean, from a freestyle standpoint, you know, we're probably eight, nine years away from the Sriracha hitting what is normally your prime as a freestyle wrestler. Right. So for him to be right there <laughs> with guys that are, uh, you know, more experienced and on the world stage. Uh, and again, he's one of these uh, wrestlers, Steve, that he just picks things up every time he's out there. And, and so I just think the experience for him is going to be huge. And again, uh, we saw it when he traveled to the Olympics as a training partner uh david taylor he is a guy that is going to uh get the most out of these opportunities he when uh they were over at the olympics i mean he was seeking out anybody and everybody that had won a medal or had any kind of world credential from any team and saying do you want to just roll around for a little while and so he is a guy that you know is going to capitalize on the opportunity here and the experience to be on that travel squad and and just continue to get better and again I you know it's early and I don't want to put undue uh, pressure mm-hmm, on him sure. but I really think Carter Sirachi at this point Steve is on a trajectory and has a chance to go down uh, and this is with David Taylor about uh, to try to become a two-time Olympic gold medalist in a couple of years here I think Carter Sirachi is on a track right now to be uh, considered the, the greatest wrestler in Penn State history and, and again that's a uh, a huge track to be on when you look at the, the last decade or so here of the program.
0: Well, now let's get to the future of Penn State wrestling. Alex Facundo went out and won the under-20 freestyle crown in Las Vegas, I and mean, he was the outstanding wrestler out there. Uh, what were the reports you got on Alex?
1: Yeah, I, Steve, he, he's another guy that just he has that offensive mindset that, that you want uh, and, and you love to see. And and he's one of those guys that, you know, kind of like David Taylor, that the freestyle and folk style just easily transitions because he's just a takedown master, and he's just so offensive-oriented uh, and fun to watch. And, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the guy that uh, – again, is, is on track to be the next great one here, obviously we'll uh, if expected anyway, to be in the starting lineup for the first time next year as a redshirt freshman, but he's just special, Steve. He, he's the guy that uh, you know, does all of the, the things that all of the right ones here under Cal ha- have done in terms of work ethic, uh, understanding what's uh, being asked, and, and a guy that just has a, a genuine passion and a desire to be the best and, and to do whatever that takes. Uh, but the biggest thing with him is, again, not much like David Taylor and Jason Nolf, just that offensive mindset Mm -hmm. where it's just, uh, it's always about scoring more points and and there's just never any satisfaction with him uh, after, you know, he, even after he dominates an opponent, it's it's always, uh, okay, this is what I can work on and improve on and uh, make adjustments on for the next time I'm out. All
0: right. uh, We just went through Final X and, of course, the um, next up will be Belgrade's uh, September 10th through the 18th. What does this tell us, though, about the depth now of USA wrestling? Because we're seeing so many interesting bouts and not dominant ones.
1: Yeah, and I and Stephen, we're seeing you, the U.S. have uh, as much, if not more, success than it's ever had uh, on the international stage. Uh, and so the fact that you have that that competitiveness uh, in the U.S. Open and in, in Final X. I think is really significant and, th- and speaks volumes about the depth right now that the uh, USA wrestling is creating. And, you know, I think it, it's a credit to um, all of the, the regional training centers. I mean, you, you look at the, you know, you go back to Bobby Douglas starting, uh, things with Sunkist out in, in Arizona, and that was significant, and, and all of the East Coast, and now you see what Cale and uh, Tom Brands are, are doing with their regional training centers. And so, you know, a lot of these uh, college programs now are affiliated with these regional training centers, and so you're getting elite guys going against elite guys on a regular basis, and, you know, it's it's the whole metal sharpens metal uh Aspect to development, and I just think uh, I don't think there's any question right now that USA Wrestling is in the best position uh, it's ever been in in terms of competitiveness on the international stage, and you know, elite competitiveness from within the country.
0: Always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate you very much, Jeff.
1: Thank you, Steve.
0: Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult, well, I. more than quality new and used cars sunbury motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis they can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open monday through friday seven till four and sunbury motors has made simple repairs easy maintaining your vehicle is necessary finding the time to do it is difficult welcome to sunbury motors quick lane open seven till four monday through friday just walk in or call ahead relax in their remodeled waiting room with wi-fi beverages and snacks will sunbury motors factory trained techs take care of Alright, great to have you with us. We talked a lot about name, image, and likeness yesterday, especially with Nate Bauer. And the point being made uh, by James Franklin is simple. If the competition is looking at you saying that they need $13 million to remain a relevant top 10 program, essentially what Ryan Day said to a group of movers and shakers, doesn't mean you have to have $13 million in yours, but guess what? you got to be competitive. And there's a bottom line. Penn State is now what thirty seasons into the Big Ten. This will be the thirtieth Big Ten football season coming up for Penn State. What's the program Penn State's always been compared to? What's the one that you throw out there you've got to beat? And then heck with uh, Michigan, Michigan State. Now that's that's fine. That that's that's ended up being a mixed bag of for both sides. Ohio State's the team in this conference you've had to be for 30 seasons. They talk like that. You've got to think like that if you want to compete with them. What are you saying? And it's not the way I want to do things, but it's also I realize that's the way today you have to do things. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots 11 and 15. Almost warping online at sunburymotors.com. Well, if you want to buy new, you want to get great product lines and great warranties. Well, that's Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Maybe the budget says right now, pre-owned inventory. Well, you want to make sure they have the Sunbury Motors guarantee. That's critical to the buying experience. And you need it backed up by a fabulous service department, one that can take care of inspections, all the routine stuff, oil changes, you name it. And if there's anything complicated, they can handle it as well. Diagnostics and so forth. That's Sunbury Motors. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15. Hummels, Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. All right. So, let's take a look at a year into the college basketball transfer portal era, where you've had free transfer no matter what. No waivers involved, where you can just transfer. So, uh, And C.J. Moore and Kyle Tucker of The Athletic put this together. Now, are there huge transfer success stories? Of course there are. Oscar Sheebway of Kentucky, Wooden Award winner, National Player of the Year. Goes from West Virginia to Kentucky. Brady Manick went from Oklahoma to North Carolina. He was pivotal in North Carolina getting to the national championship game. Remy Martin, for the most part, pretty good. Arizona State, Kansas, came up big in the national championship game, came up big in the Final Four. Alondis Williams ended up being the ACC Player of the Year along the way. Um, In the great year he had at Wake Forest. But what have we learned? This is what they're saying. What have we learned about the transfer portal in the year? Well, they put together the numbers, and the two of them did a great job in the athletic putting together the numbers. Now, we're talking about players who transferred up. So the athletic looked at the at three critical statistics for the 215 players that moved, quote, up to power six, which is the Big E's, Big Ten, SEC, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12. So 215 players made that move. So of the 215 players, 79 saw their minutes per game increase. 112 of them saw their offensive rating get better. 72 of them saw their points per game get better. On the flip side, 135 of the 215 saw their minutes per game decrease. 103 of them saw their hun- offensive rating decrease. And 142 of the 215 saw their points per game decrease. One player saw their numbers stay the same. Now, let's face it. When you transfer, and I've talked about the recruiting process, your high school to college. I'm willing to venture that every player that goes from high school to a power five school feels it's the next step to the NFL. Right? You're highly recruited. Everybody, you're the greatest. Everybody loves you. You know, they're talking about you on talk shows, message boards, Twitter, Instagram, everything. Right? So going from high school as a senior to a power five school to play college football, I'm, I'm going to venture to say the vast majority, if not all of those players, believe it's the next step to the NFL. Well, Let's face it, nearly every player that goes into the transfer portal believes they're going to improve their lot. I think that's also a safe assumption to make. Okay. So one coach who worked at a high major school that was active in the transfer portal said he believes transfers from high majors or mid-majors, you know, like the American Athletic, Mountain West, Atlantic 10, Those are mid-major plus programs. Have a higher success rate. All right, so let's see how it played out. The minutes per game increased for 64 who um, played at a high major. Those who played in mid-major plus saw their minutes per game. Only four of them saw it happen. For a mid-major, it was 10. For a low-major, it was one. Minutes decreased for 53. 21 of those who went from uh, mid-major plus, 57 saw their minutes decrease if they went from a mid-major. And if they went from a low-major, there weren't that many that made the move anyway, so four saw them decrease. Okay? The offensive rating increased for 68 of those who made a high major move, like an Oscar Sheebway a Brady Manic, Remy Martin. Offensive rating increased. If they were at a mid-major plus, American Athletic, Mountain West, Atlantic 10, and they moved up to the Power 6, 19 saw their offensive rating increase. If they went from a mid-major, 23 saw it happen. Two stayed the same. How many saw their offensive rating decrease? Okay. If you went from high major to high major, 50 saw their offensive rating decrease. If you went from mid-major plus, yeah, actually only six. But if you went from a mid-major, 44 saw it decrease. Low major, three did. Again, there weren't that many low majors. Points per game increased. When you went from high major to high major, 60 of them saw their points increase. 57 saw them decrease. One stayed the same. If you went from a mid-major plus, American, Mountain West, Atlantic 10, to one of the power six, only five players saw their points per game increase. 20 of them saw them decrease. If you went from a mid-major to a power six, only six players saw their points per game increase. Sixty-one saw a decrease. And if we went from a low major, only one saw their points per game increase and saw four of them decrease. Players who use the extra year because they were granted by COVID. Okay? So the total there, sixty-one players. Four, 19 of them saw their minutes per game increase. John John Harrow would be in that category. Forty-two saw them decrease. Thirty-five of them saw their offensive rating go up, John Harrow would be in that category. Twenty-six saw it go down. Points per game, nineteen increase, John would be one. Forty-two saw a decrease. COVID transfers. COVID transfers. They took an extra year and they went someplace else. All right? So you've got, let's see. So I'll make sure I've got the numbers. It looks like it's 22 did this. Minutes per game increased 15. If you went high major to high major, seven saw them decrease. If you were a mid-major plus, nobody saw their minutes increase. 8 decreased. If you went from a mid-major, only 4 saw their minutes increase. 23 decreased. If you went from a low-major, nobody increased their minutes. 4 of them saw their minutes decrease. Offensive rating of the 22 that went high-major to high-major, 14 saw their rating go up. 8 saw it go down. If you went mid-major plus... nobody saw their offensive rating go up. Eight went down. If you went from a mid-major to a power six, 11 saw their offensive rating increase, 16 decreased, and low-major was two up, two down. Points per game. If you went high-major, power six to power six, with a COVID transfer for an extra year, 14 saw their points per game go up, eight saw them go down. If you went mid-major plus, two only saw their points per game go up. Six went down. If you were a mid-major going up to power six, three saw their points per game go up. 24 saw them go down. And if you went low-major to power six, nobody saw their points per game go up. Four saw them go down. When told about the high number of players whose statistics decrease, one high major coach told The Athletic, quote, we know that when we're taking them, we don't expect them to maintain the same production they had at a lower level. A mid-major assistant out west says the tra- of the transfer volume, it, c- it could slow down just because there are a lot of kids who will look at this and say, darn, it didn't work out for most of these people. See, and that's the point. It didn't work out for most of these people. It didn't work out. I know you're betting on yourself, but most of the time it doesn't work out. Everybody thinks it works out. It doesn't even come close to working out. Not even close. So let's take, for example, the now famous Denzel Pack, who 10 days ago withdrew his name from the NBA draft. We all know he transferred from Kansas State. To Miami, Big Twelve to ACC, high major to high major. Okay. And we know about his NIL deal. His NIL deal with John Ruiz is said to be eight hundred thousand, four hundred thousand this year, four hundred thousand next year, plus a car his numbers are going to be incredibly intriguing to look at. They're going to be really interesting to look at. And that's what we're waiting to see. What will Nigel Pack do? Kansas State with him went 14 and 17 last year. So Pack averaged 17.4 points a game, 3.8 rebounds a game, a little bit better than two assists a game, 1.3 steals per game. He shot 46%. And by the way, had a great year shooting the three. He shot 42% in three, which is a fabulous number. And he also, Pack, by the way, visited Ohio State and Purdue before. going with Miami and the deal with LifeWallet. His agent is NIL representative. At Next Sports said he wanted to go somewhere where he could show NBA teams he's an elite point guard. Jim Laranega's history of success with smaller point guards, Charlie Moore, Angel Rodriguez, Shane Larkin, was a major factor. Okay. I mean, that's where we are right now. He's transferred. He just went through the NBA... He wants to show what he can do on this level. Okay. Well, no offense. You just went to the NBA combine camp, and you elected to go back to school. What does that tell you? You are not ready for the NBA now. And believe me, if you're good, they will find you. If you're really good at Kansas State, they will find you. Last I checked... The biggest star on the floor in the NBA finals went to Davidson. His running mate in the backcourt, or the swing swing man who had a good game last night, went to Washington State. Scottie Pippen go to the school. I think it was Central Oklahoma State, Southeast Oklahoma, something like that. What? Rodman, same way. I think I think Scottie Pippen went to a small school in Arkansas, and it was Rodman that went to small school in Oklahoma. But if you're good, they'll find you, they'll invite you to the camp. He got invited. At least, you know, you know, gave him a look. He didn't get past the cut. He didn't make the cut for Chicago. Hey, they're looking at him. It showcase what he can do. Showcase what, whatever he can do. You can showcase what he can do on your own. See, a lot of this, there's no logic to it. There's no logic to it. Marcus Smart went to Oklahoma State. They're good. Just like Kate Cunningham up at, with the Pistons. All right. Mm. Look at all of I mean, Exactly which school did Luka Donchets go to? Oh, that's right. He didn't. Yeah. Kristaps Porzingis? No. Hmm. the NBA will find you that's why when you hear he wants to go someplace where he can showcase showcase what you can showcase he could have showcased his skills at Kansas State for goodness sakes I feel like you know I mean what's done is done but he transferred because he had a chance at He had a chance at cash. He took the cash. I feel like I'm just talking to the corner office. All right. What? No? F-O-U-L-E-D. That spells foul. B-R-E-A-K. Let's take a break. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. outstanding job by cj moore and kyle tucker so what happens is the players equate themselves to that level because of all the attention that they're getting when in reality those teams at a high major level have to complete their teams and they have to have a full roster but how are you going to get those guys well you got to sell the opportunity if you tell them, hey, this is going to be hard for you, your minutes are going to go down, your points are going to go down, you sell, and you sell the actual scenario for those guys, you're never going to get them. <laughs> so what do coaches do? They whisper sweet nothings. They do what they have to do. They get them, and then uh, they get there, and once again, you're messing with your chemistry. Well, what's that coach supposed to do? He needs players. So you're messing with chemistry. You're bringing somebody else from a, quote, different culture into your culture. He's right. But in this area, you've got to do it. You've got to be able to fill gaps. That's why I like what James Franklin does with it, and I like what Micah Shrewsbury does with it. They are recruiting as many three- to five-year players as possible and filling out total recruiting classes. And then if they need to fill in a gap an Andrew Norzad on the offensive line, a Chop Robbins on the defensive end, or an Andrew Funk or a Cam Winter as a wing and a guard in basketball. They're filling in spots that they need that maybe recruiting didn't take care of or where they feel at the moment they need to be a little bit older. That's instead of the, hey, we got 13 players on the basketball team, 10 are transfers. Oh, brutal. Michigan State football. We got 20 20 transfers. Oh, really? And they're going to be a, a different, they're going to be a test case to see how that plays out. By the way, Michigan State had 25 guys transfer out, you know, this year. Nobody ever talks about that. He said, one coach said that the most desirable transfers are older players. Specifically, the group that uses an extra year of eligibility. That's the most valuable kid in basketball. They're experienced, they've been around the block, it really helps. What's interesting is that m- minutes per game and points per game for almost every player went down, but one area did go up for most of the players that transferred. Their offensive efficiency went up. You want to know why? Because they have a lesser role, and lesser roles usually lead to higher efficiency if you're a decent player. <laughs> Happy birthday, little Mark. One year old. Thank don't you. Let your bro- don't let your brother push you around.